podcast, where we explore the backgrounds of interesting individuals and how they intersect with our building industry in Iowa. I'm your host, Ben Hammes, and I'm going to bring to you topics that help educate, develop, grow, and enhance you and your company. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the MBI Edge podcast. We have a very special guest today, Jennifer Bryant. Jennifer, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. So can you do an introduction for the audience? You bet. So my world is human resources. Uh, I just got done introducing myself to Ben and telling him the biggest thing about me is I grew up in a family-owned business. So for me, business comes first, and I love figuring out how we can help the people make that business even stronger and making sure people are having a great time at work because life's too short not to. That's great. We um, are focusing these next couple episodes on the podcast um, around retention, retention strategies, and that's why we wanted to talk to you today. Um, we're trying to find some resources outside of this industry. We want to hear about what's happening in the healthcare world, what's happening in the banking industry, what's happening in manufacturing, and maybe we'll get some tips that we can give our employers on some strategies that maybe they hadn't thought about before. So I'm really interested to talk to you today and... and uh, find out what we can uh, what we can collaborate on but you have a a very very deep background especially it looks like in the financial services industry primarily Um, can you tell us about uh, where you got started and who you've worked for in the past yeah really really grateful for the career I've had and it's part of what I'm doing now in my consulting role is making sure other people have the chance to have fantastic and interesting careers like I've been able to have. So I'm very grateful to my mentors along the way, the people that took a chance in me on the way, and I really try to pay that forward. So I came out of grad school um, to Wells Fargo. I spent 10 years at Wells Fargo. I came into a rotational program that let me see all the different areas of HR. So I'm a huge fan of rotation programs, right? Like let's let people see the world they're going (laughs) to live in. Um, Let's let them have different experiences and see where they can contribute most. Spent 10 years at Wells Fargo. Really felt like I needed to see the way HR was done in other businesses. So I went to Aviva at the time. So for those that are local, Aviva was a smaller company that had just recently been purchased by a company out of the UK. So fascinating (laughs) business world, right? Coming in, helping the company grow, and really helping them become international. Um, So that fed me for a good five years. Um, I was going to stay with the company when it was divesting into two separate companies, um, but I had the chance to go work for Sukuradia at Bankers Trust. Now, I may have Hmm. been the only Metro person who didn't know Sukuradia at the time, Um, because I had been caught up in my Wells Fargo Aviva world, but uh, at least six people told me, if you have a chance to go work for Sukuradia, you do not turn that chance down. So I went there. I was Suku's um, chief HR person, grew a lot, learned a lot from him, got much more involved in the community, which I'm so grateful for, Um, and then had the opportunity to go to American Equity. So American Equity was publicly held. That was something I didn't have in my background, so went to American Equity, helped them rebuild their HR team, Um, did a CEO transition, so hired a new CEO, um, got him underway two years later. Right in the middle of COVID, right? Right in the middle of COVID. um, Two years later, felt like they were in a good spot. I was ready for more inputs into my life and to really, at this stage of my life, give back and find ways to help smaller companies with strategic HR issues, um, companies that maybe can't afford a full-time CHRO, but get involved on a consulting basis and try to move them forward. And you launched your new company in... 
Last year? Last year, April, May, um, Human Pivot Consulting. So Human Pivot Consulting. Yeah. All right, a- pitch the website real quick. <laughs> HumanPivotConsulting.com. Perfect. Um, and really, really a chance to look at the world through a different lens. I think a lot was changing with people during COVID. A lot was changing. So the pivot piece was just, we're going to have to look at things differently and look at the way we interact with our people differently. And let's see how flexible we can get and how, how much we can do. I love the name Human Pivot. Thank I, you. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. What was it like to, you know, navigating that COVID world and American equity was going through these changes as well? I mean, you talked about the CEO, but yeah. what was that like in such a large um, a large company, what was that like navigating the, the COVID world? Um, so first of all, I think it reinforced the fact that you have to have the right team around you. So we quickly assembled a team. Um, I led the team, but they did the work, right? So they did the interfaces. There was a lot of technical work. Um, and there was just like keeping the pillar of let's care for our people through all of this, right? Um, I think there was an expectation at that time that HR people knew something other people didn't, right? So that was frankly frustrating and hard for a lot of HR people, um, the having to make decisions based on zero data mm. when we like to make decisions based on some data. Um, and you were really making decisions based on what do I think is the best thing to do today and changing it the next day and trying to communicate to everyone what you were changing and how you were changing it. So. And what was a lot of that, uh, those decisions work from home versus having to come in and what, how did that, how did you make those decisions? Um, work from home probably gets the most press, but it probably wasn't even our biggest, right? The safety, this, the overall safety piece, um, really came first. So, um, work from home was kind of a result of that, but how do we keep our people safe? What do we need to install from a facility standpoint when people do need to be in? How do we get them distanced? So, um, it really became everything safety related and things that we just never thought about before. Um, so make, getting good at making decisions on the fly. And I think I'm a big fan of make a decision, try it and be quick to change. If it doesn't work, let's sure. not get paralyzed around decisions. And I think pivot. that helped during that time. Pivot. Yeah. If in doubt, right. pivot. I think that really helped during that time. The struggle was communicating your intentionality around that. Because people took what they wanted from the changes that you made and took what they assumed, whether good intentioned or bad intentioned, right? We were making so many well-intentioned decisions and to have people say, you know, oh gosh, they're just trying to, you know, some nefarious (laughs) less than, and we were always making decisions out of the best interest of our employees. It was just hard to keep communicating what was changing and why we were making those decisions. Sure. Communication was key. Probably had a a big refocused attention on mental health of your employees as well and providing that support um, when so much was going on. Yeah. Mental health, um, connectivity, right. Making sure that people stayed part of a team because that's really important to well-being is being part of something bigger than yourself. A lot of people find that at work and they were struggling to find that during COVID, um, that connectivity to something bigger. So making sure we did that. One of the things we put in place on my team that I would suggest for anyone. We really thought about how we use our meetings, right? And we Mm. really thought about how we use our time together. So we ended up doing two meetings um, on different, one was just called an energy meeting. So what can we do to give each other energy? Are these weekly meetings? Half an hour weekly, right? What can we do to give each other energy? So we did the silliest things. We did a favorite food combinations. (laughs) We did, it was half an hour. We did recognition. We did anything that helped us connect as human beings. We did games. It was half an hour every week that we knew we could just come together 
and give each other the energy we needed to sustain. That has lasted post-COVID because it's only half an hour a week and everyone needs a little infusion of energy, right? Mm. Um, and then we had impact meetings, which were more about what are we doing to impact the business. Um, and so those were less frequent than the energy meetings, but we really balanced that. Let's take it away from strategy meeting or <laughs> and call it what it is, right? Today we're coming together to give each other energy. Tomorrow we're coming together to figure out what's the biggest impact we can have in the next month. And how are we going to get there? I love that. Are you advising your clients now to, to do that? In the right place. Yeah. yeah for the right clients. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm cognizant of not adding meetings. Right. <laughs> but if you can repurpose one that's become stale, old, right? Right. Into something that actually um, provides better value. Right. I, I think why not get creative and, and take the corporate speak out of it, right? This is our energy meeting. This is our impact meeting. Let's go. That's great. Um, Let's talk now about Human Pivot and what sort of your world now. I want to talk about strategies and things, that again, that you've seen with some clients um, that maybe our audience has not heard about. What is, first of all, easiest softball question out there, what is the number one retention tool? Is it compensation? Or what is it? It's the, For me, it's the leader. It's the leader. It's the leader. Okay. Yeah. Can you expand? What? What do you mean by that? You bet. And then I am going to talk about compensation. Okay. So it's close second. Yeah. Um, and I think about compensation as much as compensation as careers, right? So leaders today have to have a mix of accountability and empowerment. And it, leadership has just gotten much, much more complex as the human condition has gotten more complex, right? So um, you've got to have a mix of authenticity. Gone are the days where you come in, know everything, and command everything, right? But I think a lot of us grew up seeing leaders do that and it's still somewhere in us thinking we have to be the one who knows everything and, and directs everything. Leadership today, you just can't, right? The world's grown exponentially and you can't control or know everything. You've got to figure out how to be the person who brings that out of your people. Um, and people want to feel needed and they want to feel valued and they want to feel smart. So one of the phrases I use a lot with my clients is um, figure out how to make yourself not the smartest person in the room. Go in with that mindset, right? Like, how do I make my team the smartest people in any room I'm in? Um, bring that out of them. Ask for their opinions, right? About being humble. Be a little humble. Be a little vulnerable. Vulnerable. Right? Sure. Like, hey, I haven't solved this one before. What do we think? Right? Um, instead of, hey, I, but I, here's what I think we should do. And, and this is the way that. we've always done it. So, so this is the way we're going to do it. it. Yeah. 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 So that vulnerability and leaders who can, there's an ego in becoming a leader. And I work with a lot of leaders that say, I really thought that was my role. I really believed I was yeah. doing something wrong if I didn't walk into the room with the answer. Yeah. You can't anymore. It, I just think it's like a fool's game yeah. to try to walk in with the answers. You've got to find a team, put together a team that can generate those answers and then ask them, right? Feed them, help them develop their network so they have other ideas and inputs coming into them, right? Um, I think that's a big part of leading today and a big part of building the kind of camaraderie on a team that people want to stay with. I think you're speaking to a lot of our members who would would say that this industry is so old-fashioned in some ways. We're, 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 we're all about emerging tech and using new things out there and doing things leaner. Don't get me wrong. But in the way that we've traditionally run, I think, our companies, I'm sure that there are a lot of listeners that are sitting there going, that's probably the way I've always done it. I need to evolve into this this new type of leader and be maybe vulnerable. I think that's a good yeah. way of putting it. It's constructions. It look. It's processes. It's 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 down to a science, right? And yes. it's always been this way. So this is the way it's got to be. And we're hard nosed. And and this is 
what we have to be, but to be that yes. vulnerable leader is, is a, a, a fresh take. I appreciate you bringing yeah. that up. And just to put it into action, I'll, I'll give credit. Um, I worked with a CEO, on a CEO transition before American Equity, so earlier in career, the CEO that was in place was kind of that, um, I know what to do and I'm going to direct. Mm. We had a new CEO come in place, and one of the first all-employee meetings, right, and this is, you know, 1,000, 1,500 people in a room, one of the first employee meetings, we were expecting him to tell us, right, hey, here's our strategy. He gave us a little bit of that, and he said, what I really want to know is what's on your mind and what do you want to know? So here's my cell phone number. Text me whatever question you want. So to be in front of a room and have a CEO <laughs> say, what I want to do is make sure you're as informed as you can be about what you care about so that you can do your job better, right? Mm -hmm. And so to take those questions, right, not prepared, no one coached him and counseled him <laughs> what to say, but just that authenticity I know people today that have followed that leader multiple places. Gravitated right, right towards them. Because yeah. the authenticity and that, I'll tell you if I don't know, right? Yeah. That's something I don't know or that's something I can't share, but I want you to be the most informed team you can be. Yeah. So you can go do your jobs. I don't need to direct that, right? I need to make sure you have what you need to do your jobs. That's great. Let's go into compensation. You bet. Okay, so here's how I think about I think there's an old school way, at least in financial services, which, as you mentioned, is most of my background, um, where we thought of careers in compensation as these static, you know, here's when I go from this level to this level to this level. I get more comp when I get promoted. Um, and if you step back and really think about how careers grow and how your career grew, right, someone gave you a chance to do something new. <laughs> You figured out how to do it, mm -hmm. right? And um, at that point, why do we not pay someone a little bit more for the added value they're giving to the company, right? So instead of these big, wait till you're an SVP, right? Wait till you're um, really looking at your most valued team and saying, you know, you're it, maybe it's at six months, maybe it's at nine months, right? You're adding more value to this team in doing X, Y, and Z. I want to pay you a little bit more, mm -hmm. right? And I think we've got caught up in it has to be some official stepping stone the way I got promoted and, right? And That I think sounds so government. It does. <laughs> but it's how corporations, right? It's just yeah. how corporations think about it because it's easier that way, right? Yeah. It's really easier to say, oh, I don't think about that yeah. until once a year and it's very formulaic and I'm going to go through my process and people read from that right i'm just part of the process mm. well people really good people really good talent that you want to retain they want to hear regularly <laughs> you're growing i see it you're adding more value what can we do for you mm. right and making that a two-way comfortable conversation mm. instead of being scared of those conversations so it's one of the areas i have a lot of passion um, careers just don't grow in big steps anymore. <laughs> so are you, when you speak specifically about compensation then too, yeah. are you saying that companies that are able to do that on the fly, they're doing it more than once a year? That's what you're saying. Yeah. And okay. you have to be choosy, right? Yeah. No one has the budget. No one in the world right. has the budget right. to do that willy nilly. Right. But if you have three people on your team that you know are going to grow, learn, be your future people, Right. Don't put them in the same process as everyone else, right? They're not everyone else, mm -hmm. um, and and they don't think the same way, and they don't they don't they shouldn't be rewarded the same way, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a great concept in leadership called learning agility. So this is about people that will figure it out. So who on your team 
no matter what happens, you could give them a new assignment, you could give them, COVID happens, right? They're gonna figure it out. Mm -hmm. They're just gonna figure it out. Most people know who that is on their team. Those are the people you should be investing in, taking risks on, right? Giving them new assignments, making sure their comp stays fresh, uh, because those are your future leaders, Mm -hmm. the people that just plain figure it out. Mm We have gotten in a bad habit, I think, of recognizing and rewarding the people that um, take a lot of action. <laughs> what we should be looking at is impact and potential, right, uh, for our future leaders. So I- I'm saying single out those people, figure out who they are, um, and differentiate how you help them navigate career growth. Mm-hmm. Those are the people that are going to leave you for career growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This generation, <clears throat> excuse me, especially the quote-unquote millennial generation, they're, um, you know, what I've been told over and over is there's a lot of bad ones. There's a lot of really, really good ones. Yeah. And when you get on to those really, really good ones, you have to focus on them because, yes. like you said, they're going to be the future leaders. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. Differentiate. Don't put them all through the same process. Now, there are compliance <clears throat> things, right? I wouldn't be an HR professional, but yeah. you, say you can't discriminate, right? Right. You can't. But right. if you go through a process and identify the people who have that learning agility, who are going to be your higher potential, it just makes sense to differentiate how they're paid because they're adding more value to your organization on a quarterly basis than they were last quarter, right? Yeah. And so getting a little bit flexible and getting out of our boxes is important. Yeah. What do you think about ESOPs for retention? Um, Anything to add? Yeah. So (laughs) timing is interesting because I came out of American Equity Mm -hmm. and they've recently um, been, um, they have an offer to be purchased. Mm -hmm. I'll say that appropriately. Mm -hmm. And they had, they were not a quote unquote ESOP, but they had an ESOP program. So Mm -hmm. everything stock wise, employees got stock um, often. And I really, really liked that model because anything as a public company, you're always making your making decisions that help your stock grow, and to have the employees benefit at the same pace with that was really important. And now that there's an offer on the table and that stock appreciates dramatically, knowing that the people making thirty six thousand dollars a year are benefiting at some degree, like the executives um, who made the decisions that affected them really created alignment for me and mm. I really, really loved it. I don't have as much experience in sure. fully employee owned. Sure. But I can tell you the alignment created by having everyone with the same ultimate end goal. Very, very powerful. Good. We have, very we, powerful. I asked the question because we have a number of our members who have recently transitioned into an ESOP model or they are in the middle of doing it too and they're using resources like Bankers Trust. Yes. And so yes. Um, yeah. I didn't want to leave that out. Yeah. Big plug for Bankers Trust on that, right? <laughs> That's Absolutely. right. Um Let's talk about out-of-the-box ideas. I don't care if it's benefits or what it is. What are some unique um, differentiators in employee retention that you've seen that our members may not have heard about? I don't care. Let's say it's either tuition assistance, child care assistance. What what are those ideas, out-of-the-box ideas? Yeah, so um, it's funny you say that because this is an area where I really think you've got to look at who you are and brand yourself, right? It's really an employee branding proposition. Mm -hmm. So I would not chase what other people are doing, right? You you can't compete against, right? I come from large corporations that had all that, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) All Mm -hmm. of it. If someone really wants the tuition reimbursement, they're going to know, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to a bigger company. I'm going to get it. I would brand to who you are and what you are to attract the talent that knows 
that wants to be with you. So I'll give you a real small example, right? I was working with a company um, that is into land stewardship. And so we did not execute this, but as we were brainstorming, one of the ideas, those, pe- those employees love being outside, mm. right? So why not offer, <laughs> you know, a, a two-week camping, you know, two weeks off camping with your family, we'll provide the camper, the trailer, whatever. Something that plays to what you know mm. a majority of your employees are passionate about yeah. and differentiates you in the market. Because I don't believe you can differentiate based on tuition reimbursement, wellness, mm-hmm. right? Those are all great things to have. And if you have They're them, all talking points, too. I'm not, yeah, you know. They're fantastic, right. but you won't compete on them. Got it. You can't differentiate yourself. <clears throat> so I would really encourage companies to think about what, what kind of employer are we trying to attract? What would a lot of them love and what could we sell the heck out of it in an interview that differentiates us um, versus trying to chase all the other pieces mm. that are out there? That's good. Well, and to dovetail into our industry, we have a lot of members that have developed their brand around building their community. Yes. They're so yes. ingrained in their community. Yes. I don't care if it's Des Moines, Dubuque, or Sioux City. doesn't yep. matter. They take a lot of pride in the fact that they can drive down the road and tell their kids that they built that building. I love that. And I yes. know that that is a huge deal. I've heard it over and over from our members. And so what you're saying there hits home, um, developing that employee that wants to be in the community, that yes. wants to stay in that community. Yes. So maybe it's a great volunteerism program. Right. Right. Maybe it's um, you know time off to go serve in different ways. Maybe it's connecting people to boards. Maybe it's, you know. We're also a lot of ways specific to um, the type of client we build for, right? So um, companies may be building primarily in the schools. They might be primarily building convenience stores. They might yeah. be building primarily libraries. Whatever it is, they're connected into that owner and that yeah. that uh, industry in, in in some ways too. So yeah. building programs that can do both of those yeah. would be a huge retention strategy. Yeah. I look at, you know, we're about building communities mm-hmm. and we believe every all of our employees should have the ability to be part of our community. So we do a home down payment assistance program mm. or we do a, right? But right. brand it to you and what you care about instead of chasing <laughs> chasing the big programs. Yeah. All right, out of the box question. Okay. I know you got to wrap up here pretty quick because you got to get going. But last thing, what, if you were talking about onboarding, I'm going to shift a little bit in yeah. onboarding and yeah. hiring at the, at the forefront. What are you asking employees now? I mean, what what are what kinds of questions are you asking that differentiate them to get them to be differentiated from other folks that are interviewing? Yeah, yeah. First, uh, before I answer your question directly, I'm just going to share a, a perspective that I've been sharing with clients that seems to resonate with people. Right? It's really hard to find an example that permeates all our generations right now, but the Rubik's Cube, mm-hmm. um, which is a child of an '80s, right, of the '80s. But I've still seen that. I think they're still yeah, around, they are. right? I yeah. see them in some pop culture things. So, yeah. when you think about careers, right, I've been thinking about it like a Rubik's Cube, and the Rubik's Cube you can twist in so many ways, mm-hmm. right? So you've got your yellow side, and your green side, and your red side, and your blue side, and you can twist it and twist it and twist it and make progress. And I really think of careers that way, right? It is actually amazing that ever, anyone ever finds 
complete fulfillment because we're all so different and you think about you can go to a different size organization with a different industry with a different culture with a different type of leadership team with a different right and so really trying to find that I think recruiting is a game of patience mm. <laughs> and not jumping at the person that can do the job but figuring out if they're a good fit to all those sides of the Rubik's Cube mm -hmm. right and I also think when we find someone who isn't a good fit we got to deal with it like the Rubik's Cube, right? The emotion, we tend to get emotional and frustrated and it's like, well, it's amazing we ever find someone that fits perfectly. Let's be happy about that. And maybe they need a different, right, a different leader, a different type of industry, a different, and helping them gracefully exit the organization instead of burying our head in the sand yeah. and hoping it goes away, <laughs> right? We should be really good as leaders at giving feedback that helps people understand maybe this isn't the right fit for you and let's help you figure out what is. I love that. I think that's really important. So going into hiring, I think it's important to remember the Rubik's Cube, right? And keep twisting until you get the right combo. Um, Which is really tough to do in a tight labor market. It's really tough to do. Recruiting is a game. The only the, the advice I give every day is recruiting is a game of um, patience. Sure. It's a game of patience. Yeah. Right? Um, and while you're waiting, give somebody else a chance at doing some pieces of the job that's going to develop their career too, right? Yeah. So don't be afraid to put an interim in. Don't be afraid to give some assignments and, and fill that position. Don't leave it void. Sure. Get some pieces going so that you can afford to be patient and find the right person. Well, if there's one thing contractors are not, it's patient. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me I'm, my, my audience may be rolling their eyes right now. I'm saying they need to be patient. <laughs> Listen to the HR professional here. You need to be patient. No, it's, your, it's good advice. Your question was, what am I asking, right? I, I, there's a concept in psychology that's around um, locus of control. So does someone believe the world happens to them, or do they believe they happen to the world? Um, if you can find people that believe they happen to the world, right, mm. that believe I own, so I ask things that try to surface that, right? Mm. So I'm always looking for, are they blaming someone else, or are they accepting responsibility for things that didn't go great? Are they, um, you know, when's the last time you got feedback that was really meaningful to you? If they can't come up with that, right, they're not listening and they're not growing and they're not taking ownership. Mm -hmm. um, so questions that really get at, does someone believe they impact the world or the world happens to them? Um, because the people that impact the world are the ones that are going to get out there and get things done for you. Great advice. Jennifer, <clears throat> excuse me, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming in and thank sharing you. your perspective. Um, you know, I'd love to have you back and couple months and we were like i said we're going to be kind of doing this rotating schedule on retention so um i'd love to have you back on again sometime I'd but love i love you got to get going so yeah. um ladies and gentlemen jennifer bryant of human pivot um human pivot consulting.com if you i remember it. that right you okay got it. great well thanks again uh for being here uh it's been real thanks,